0: Well, they, they hit this week. You know what I'm talking about? The 17-year locust. How many of you got, got hit at your your house? Quite a few of you. I, I heard about uh, Jim and Tricia Copeland, that their, their entire fence in their backyard just absolutely covered the trees. You walk in, the, the dog's having a big time eating them things, man. <laughs> I, I think the dog made it look so good, Jim started eating some of them things. and. It's, hey, that's a strong protein right there, man. That's better than steroids. So all the young people are going to be out there eating up them locusts. But, uh, you know, I was in in Russia uh, two weeks ago, and just before I left, I'd, I planted this tree right outside of our, our house. We had one that, I mean, we planted this thing, and, I mean, it just never grew. I mean, it, it's been in there ever since we've been in the house, and it just... It ain't never done nothing, man. It's, it's like a lot of Christians. You know what I'm saying? It, they look like they're planted. They just never move off of where they are. But uh, so we yanked that thing, and I'm glad that God won't yank us. But I, I, I yanked the thing, and it's a goner. And we planted this other one. I get back from Russia, and it's talking about
1: they're coming.
0: And they're talking about, you know, you've got to cover it in netting or cheesecloth, and if you don't do that, you're going to lose your new trees and all that. So, you know, I'm starting to get all bummed about the locusts coming. And, you know, everywhere you go, man, you see all over our community, you see the, the netting all over the, the new trees, and everybody's all up in arms about the 17-year locusts. And yet I want to say to some of you folks that are in this room today, the absolute least of our worries is the 17-year locusts. Revelation chapter 9 says that there is a seven-year locust that you better concern yourself with a whole lot more than wrapping cheesecloth or netting around a tree. In fact, why don't you turn to Revelation chapter 9, where our study is, we're right now in chapter 14. But the Bible predicts the fact that in the very near future there is going to arise on this planet demonic scorpion locusts. They don't hurt the grass. They don't hurt any of the vegetation. They don't hit any of the bushes. They don't hurt any of the trees. And this is going to sound freaky to you if you're unfamiliar with the book of Revelation. These locusts attack people. And they sting with a sting that, is, that lasts for five solid months. You get stung by a bee, you get stung by a scorpion, and you know at that moment it is so intense. What the Bible says is that for five solid months that intense pain goes nowhere. It is so excruciating. And What it says in Revelation chapter 9 is that people will be trying to kill themselves because of the pain, and yet they won't be able to take their own life. They will attack the people who are going to remain on this planet after Jesus removes his true followers. And if that is unfamiliar terminology with you, let me just quickly explain that the next event that we are looking for biblically to take place on this planet is the removal of all of the people who have entered into a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an event that maybe you, you've read about or you've heard under the title, The Rapture. It's when God removes His children off of the face of this planet, and shortly thereafter, this world will be catapulted into a period of tribulation that is going to last for seven years on this planet. And during that time, what it says here in Revelation chapter 9 is that the bottomless pit is going to open, and out of the smoke that billows out of that pit, there will come these demonic Scorpion, locust, and they will sting all of the people who are on this planet. All except for one very special group of believers that is going to be here during that period of time. It's a group of believers that receive a seal. Look at verse 4. Those which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. All of the people on this planet. Who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads are going to be stung by these demonic scorpion locusts and you will not escape it other than with that seal if you want to know who these are that have that seal and go back to chapter seven chapter seven God is about to unleash his uh, his judgment upon the earth through the four angels that you see in verse one who are standing on the four corners of the earth holding the wind of God's judgment and John says in verse 2, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And John says in verse 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed in 140 and 4,000, of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And in verse 5, he begins to list the 12 tribes of the children of Israel and says that the 144,000 is going to be comprised of 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. 12,000, of course, times 12 is 144,000. And during the tribulation period, everyone on the earth who does not have the seal of God in their forehead is going to be attacked by those demonic scorpion locusts. And again, you know, I I mean, I I come back from Russia, and I see this this warning that the paper is giving to us about these 17-year locusts. And yet, it is so weird. Nobody gets freaked out and says, nobody calls 30 seconds in the paper and says, I want to know who in the devil you guys think you are with some scare tactics, scare tactics about some 17-year locusts. Hey, that's my grass, that's my yard, and I'll do what I think and want to. Click. But you come into a service like this, and you try to warn people about seven-year locusts, and people sit there going, I don't know who in the devil this guy thinks he is. And I, You know what? I don't like to go to church and have scare tactics. It's weird, and, and listen. This is not scare tactics. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to freak out. I'm trying to warn you. And you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe God allowed this the 17 year locust to happen at this time, and God brought you to this place today so that you might understand. You might ought to perk up your ears just a little bit and find out what the God of the universe is trying to say to you. And, and man? Listen today the most wonderful thing in all the world would be for you to take those 17-year locusts and let that be a catalyst for you to have something happen in your mind and your heart that says, you know what, I I better start listening to what God said in his book. But everyone on this planet is going to be affected by those seven-year locusts except for this group of people, the 144,000. Now we're not in chapter 7, we're not in chapter 9, we're in chapter 14. The reason I use that as a springboard this morning is because John sees the 144,000 again in chapter 14, and this time when he, he sees them, he begins to go into more detail about this group of people. And we talked about the, the dangers that that we face Of trying to make ourselves 144,000. We're not the 144,000. Neither is any other Gentile or anybody in this dispensation. That's for Jews during the tribulation period, but we don't want to come to the 144,000 and because of that miss the incredible lessons that we as those that are living in the last days, what the Bible refers to in Revelation chapter 3 as the Laodicean church period. We do not want to miss the example that this 144,000 set for us because, listen, of any group of believer that has ever been on this planet, this is the only one that is ever going to do the job right. And because of that we need to look into this group of people and and we're not, uh, you know what, what we've been seeking to do week after week is just go through the book of Revelation and and teach the content here, but we, we entered into this arena And God just began to grab my heart as we started to talk about the 144,000. And rather than jetting through the whole rest of the book and, you know, working all the ins and outs of this thing, I felt like what God was saying is, y'all need to to just learn some lessons from this group of people. And we saw as we began our study of this, I lost that, that study sheet. It's a miracle. Can I borrow yours for just a second, there, Brittany? That's an extra. All right. What well, we began to thank you. What well, we began to see from this group of 144,000 Roman numeral one on your sheet is there is visible evidence of their identification with the Lamb and His Father, and that visible evidence is seen through the seal of the 144,000 servants of our God. And we talked about the significance of that seal to that group of people. But what we began to see is that there's a great lesson that we can learn because God also has a seal that he uses for people in this dispensation. During the church age, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 calls it the seal of the Spirit. We've been sealed as believers with the Spirit of God, and the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians that what he has done, the Spirit of the, check it out, living God, just like you talked about the seal of the 144,000, The Spirit of the living God writes on believers in this period, not with ink, the Scripture says, but in the tables of the heart. And there is a seal that identifies us in this dispensation as true followers of Jesus Christ. There's visible evidence in our life during this dispensation, and it's through a seal. We saw in 2 Timothy, the Scripture says, the that the the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. And he begins to explain to us that the Lord knows them that are His. You know how He knows them in this dispensation, the same way He knows them in the in the tribulation period. He knows His children in this dispensation by their seal. And you know what He said: How you'll know that, that they've been sealed? Let every one that nameth the name of Christ what depart from iniquity. We talked about the fact that if you have been sealed by the Spirit of the Living God, it's not going to be written with ink on your forehead, but it'll be visible to God and every other person on this planet that you are a child of God by the seal. Because you can look at your life and see that seal written all over it. It's a changed life. And we began to see not only is that visible evidence made manifest through the the seal of the 144,000, or the seal in this age, but it's also seen in the 144,000 through their submission to the Lamb, their submission. We looked in verse 4. Look at uh, the the middle of verse 4. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Listen, when we get to heaven, if you want to know where the 144,000 is, look for the Lamb. If you want to know where the Lamb is, look for the 144,000, because they follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. I mean, they're just connected with him. There's visible evidence. You look, and you're going to see that they are identified with the Lamb, and they are identified with the Lamb's Father. We began to see that in this dispensation... In the church age, all of the people who have been sealed by the Spirit of God, it's going to be made visible because we also follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And it opened up for us last week uh, a weird can of worms, if you will. What we began to do is we began to talk about what our life was before we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, what it says is that all, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to what? His own way. That was characteristic of me before I came to Christ. That was characteristic of you before you came to Christ. We came to Ephesians chapter 2, and what it says, among whom we all had our conversation or manner of living in times past and you know what our times past was all about we were walking according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air now check it out every single one of us before we came to christ were walking our own way through the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air And all of a sudden Jesus invaded our life with an invitation and the invitation wasn't I'd sure like to yank you up to heaven when you croak it wasn't are you looking for peace in your life are you looking for security the invitation was Follow me. Jesus said, I am, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The way is not a religion. He wasn't asking you to become religious. He is the way. A person. I am the truth. The truth is not teaching He didn't ask you to follow my teaching. He was asking you to follow Him because He is the truth. I am the life. It wasn't an experience. He was saying, I'm the life, so follow me. No man cometh unto the Father but by religion, a religious experience, a body of teaching, no man cometh unto the father but by me and so we ended last time and me asking you the question not have you believed on the lord jesus christ because the bible says that the demons believe and tremble we haven't asked you when we ended last time have you ever walked forward at the end of a service we haven't asked have you prayed the prayer did you raise your hand did you sign a card well we asked very simply Based on the fact that we were walking our own way, walking according to the course of this world, walking according to the prince of the power of the air, what we asked is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And I told you that everything that we were really talking about last time was really just introduction. Because you see, to ask, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And that's, I mean, everything was building up to that major question last week but you see to ask that question is really just a little bit too abstract especially since, that we, since we live at a time when Jesus tells us in Revelation chapter 13 that one of the overriding characteristics of the Christianity of our day would be that spiritually we think that we've got it all together and we think that we have need of nothing when Jesus says that the reality is what we think is the exact opposite Of what, not what he thinks, but what he knows is true about us. Because you see, I I may have determined some things in my mind about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And because I do those things, I convince myself that I'm one of his followers. When in reality, the things that I've determined may not bear any resemblance to the things that Jesus said would be characteristic of his followers. Or I may be a part of a a, church church that's formulated a, a list of, of things that followers of Jesus Christ do and do not do. And because I legal, legalistically adhere to that list, my pastor and, and everybody else in the church who climbed into his spiritual little box, they think I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and here I am bouncing around the four walls of that little box and the, you know, the top of the bottom of this thing just having a big time convincing myself I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. My pastor thinks, so. though, the list I'm following tells me that I'm, I'm, I'm a follower. When, again, the criteria that we're using may not bear any resemblance to what Jesus said it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we better determine this morning, not what, not what we think, not what anybody else on this planet thinks, We better determine what Jesus said in this book. It meant to be a follower of his, a follower of the Lamb. Now, if we're going to determine what what it means to be a follower of Christ biblically, I think, first of all, we have to talk about the presuppositions of following. The presuppositions of following. Now, Now, listen the very fact that Jesus was inviting now listen to the words the very fact that Jesus was inviting people to follow him presupposes or or presumes some things first of all following presumes change it presumes change I mean do you understand that the fact that he's calling us to follow him, presumes that he's not standing still. He's moving somewhere. He's going somewhere. The Bible teaches us that God has a plan for the universe, the earth, and your life. And with each one of us, God is constantly working and constantly moving to accomplish his plan. And the simple fact is, since God is constantly moving to accomplish his plan, I can't stay where I am and follow him. You got that? You see, being a follower just presumes that. It presumes change. And you see that principle repeated literally from beginning to end in the Bible. Let's talk for a second about Noah. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13, God came to Noah one day with a call for Noah. To follow him now for Noah following the lamb meant what it meant building a boat right if he was gonna follow God he's gonna have to do what God said and God said I want you to build a boat now it doesn't tell us in the Word of God what Noah did with his time before God gave him the invitation to follow him but I can guarantee you this whatever he was doing before that changed because the bible does tell us what he did every single day for the next check this out 120 years after god called him you know what he did for the next 120 years of his life after the invitation to follow god for 120 years every single day of his life he built a boat and the point is After God called Noah to follow him, Noah couldn't continue his life as usual and keep doing what he was doing and follow him. It meant change. Uh, A little later on, God comes to Abraham with an invitation for him to follow him. And in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, God said, Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that i will show you okay now i'm asking with that invitation can abram stay where he is and follow god i I mean it's mutually exclusive isn't it if he's going to follow the lamb what it's going to mean is it's going to mean uprooting his family It's going to mean leaving the security of life as it was in Ur. It's going to mean saying goodbye to mom and them and all of the rest of his family and all of his relatives. It's going to mean moving to a place that initially God didn't even specify. Because you see, the issue wasn't a place on the map. God wasn't asking Abram, would you like to move? Would you like to get out of where you are? Would you like to go to Canaan? No, God was saying, Abram, I want you to follow me. The place is insignificant. And you see, we are always concerned when it comes to this thing of following God. We are always concerned about geography. The thing that we need to concern ourselves with, folks, is him, his person. But you see, for Abram to follow God, it meant... Change. He couldn't stay in the Ur of the Chaldees and follow God. And you know what? For, for some of you folks to, to, to follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth, what it's going to mean for you, it's going to mean following him up and down the highways and byways of New Philadelphia and Dover and Denison and Yorksville and Newcomerstown and Strasbourg and Bolivar and Canton and Akron and, and all that. It, it's going to mean following every single day for the next however many years to your present place of employment. And it's going to mean walking through, following the Lamb through all of the open doors that He's going to give you week after week and, and following Him year after year in this local church, following Him to the uttermost parts of the earth on short-term missions trips. That's what it's going to mean for a lot of you to follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. But listen, for some of you, to follow the Lamb, it may mean that like Noah, he's going to ask you to build something. Maybe he's going to ask you to, to build a, a ministry in, in this church to help us as we seek to reach our own Jerusalem for the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe it's going to mean building a ministry in this place that's going to help us to, to edify and to equip saints so that they can be sent to the uttermost parts of the earth. Or, or maybe like with Abram, maybe following the Lamb whithersoever he goeth in your life is going to mean that he's going to call you to leave the comforts and securities that you have in, in this little hothouse environment that we've got going here. And maybe it's going to mean you leaving your family and friends in this area to go to some city in, in this country To to build a a solid Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-obeying church. Or or maybe it's going to mean leaving this country and, and going to some place on this planet where they've never had anybody ever preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ or going to one of the super cities of of, of this world, where if we sent out twenty people tomorrow, and in the next year they built a church of a thousand people, it wouldn't be in the next year. It wouldn't be a blip on the map, because millions and mil- do you know the cities in the world right now that have uh, in excess of twenty million people? And, and maybe, maybe God's going to ask you to do that. But now listen. Whether it's here or whether it's there. Whether, it, whether it's vocational ministry or ministry at your place of vocation. The issue for all of us is following Him. And if you do, your life will be characterized by following. It'll be a life characterized by change. Because you cannot stay where you are and follow him at the same time. It presumes change. A little later on, God comes to a a high rolling, sitting on top of the world guy by the name of Moses. And God says to Moses, I want you to follow me. All right? What's that mean? But what it means is my people are in bondage in Egypt. Now listen. And I want to lead you to lead them out of that bondage. Now that sounds all well and good, you know. I mean, you know, God asking this guy to be, you know, super, super saint. He's going to be a big cheese leader. But you've got to understand, if Moses is going to follow God it's going to mean some major changes to his life and his lifestyle. Do you realize, it, for Moses to say yes to God is going to mean saying no to a lot of other things. It's going to mean saying no to the, to the fame and prestige of residing in Pharaoh's court, walking out, and everybody go, oh, there he is, yeah, look at the stud mob. It's going to mean saying no to all the pleasures and treasures of Egypt. It's going to mean saying no to all the benefits and all the comforts. Saying yes to God according to Hebrews twenty-four through 20, or 11, 24 through 27 is going to mean saying yes, listen to it, to the wrath of the king. Saying yes to God is going to be saying yes to suffer affliction with the people of God. What I'm trying to get you to see folks is that following God means something more than following through the open doors of this building a couple of times a week. Following God may cost you your coveted position at work. Some of you guys, man, you you have you have worked, you have you man, you you've done all the things that were necessary to raise yourself to the top. In that company but but now listen maybe the compromises the one holding your position is required to make will mean that you can't do your job and follow God you see that's the way that it was for Moses or maybe the responsibilities of the one holding your position maybe it demands so much time that it keeps you from fulfilling the responsibilities that the Lamb gave to you. And because of the responsibilities that you have and the demands on your time, you don't have time to fulfill your responsibilities to your wife. And you don't have the time to fulfill your responsibility to your kids. You don't have the time to fulfill your responsibility in your relationship with the Lamb. You don't have time to... Fulfill your responsibilities to the mission that the Lamb has commanded you to fulfill. And listen, maybe like with Moses, following the Lamb is going to mean saying no to all the glitz and glitter of your position and saying no to your present lifestyle. And maybe like with Moses, you'll have to come to the place like he did in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 26 where you, listen to it, esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt and Egypt in the Bible is always a picture of the, of the world. Hey, following is tough. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a call to a continuous life of tough choices. It's a call to a continuous life of tough decisions and major Tough adjustments to my life. It, it means change. And you see, the, the, the problem with that is that as self-centered, self-seeking, self-pleasing Americans, you see, what we do is we labor tenaciously to, to get ourselves planted with our roots just as deep as we possibly can and get ourselves just as safe And settled and secure as we possibly can and we build the walls around our nice little life when God says hey you're strangers and pilgrims you know what a pilgrim is I I, you know what took the Webster's dictionary and just yanked it out and said what is a pilgrim here it is a wanderer one who travels to visit a holy place listen there's a lot of unholy places on this planet that if the lamb follows you or leads you there you know what all of a sudden it becomes a it becomes a holy place that's the call on our life and yet we're fighting tenaciously to get just as comfy as we possibly can get our little hens God says what is up with that hello followers I'm moving he says we're we're ambassadors you know what an ambassador is these are not tough it's one who is sent as a representative and God's saying Hello? Remember me? You are my representative and I'm wanting you to represent me over here. It's following. You see, most Americans aren't pilgrims. I'll follow you, Lord, whithersoever thou goest. On the hood. I'll follow you Lord with us ever, I'll go as, as long as it's in cross county I'll follow you Lord wherever you go I mean you count on me buddy as long as it's in this country or as long as it's in this hemisphere I'll go that far and, and you see others of you are willing and I mean to tell you today you, you're just you're all about that I mean Man, you'd go anywhere on this planet the Lamb lamb wants you to go. But the problem is, if he told you today that he wanted you to go to Manila, he wanted you to go to Moscow, he wanted you to go to Mexico City, with all of your willingness, it'd take you four years to get out of debt. But I'm following the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. And if it isn't debt, it takes some of you two years just to get untangled from all of your financial freedom. You know what I'm talking about? Your nice, cozy, little life that you are fighting tenaciously to protect. You see, following means change. And we could even go further, and we will. God calls David to follow him. And you see, for David to follow, it was a little more like it's going to be for most of us because, you know, most of us are not like, you know, highfalutin Moses. David wasn't rich. He he wasn't some high roller with an incredible position. But nonetheless, for David to follow the Lamb, it meant change. You see, for David to follow the Lamb, now listen to it, It meant leaving the simplicity and the security of life as a shepherd on the hillside of the little town of Bethlehem. He'd have to leave all of that and begin to prepare himself ultimately. Check this out. From the hillsides of the little town of Bethlehem, he's called to prepare his life to sit in the palace in Jerusalem, having assumed the incredible responsibility of shepherding the nation of Israel of shepherding the people of God. And listen, it meant change. If you and I this morning could, have, could sit down with David, you know what David would tell you? That to go from shepherding that little flock, it was a journey. It, it was one adjustment after another. One change in his life after another. And, and for some of you folks, listen, here we are, man, we're sitting... We're sitting in rural America. A lot of you are from Canton and Akron, some bigger cities, but again, they're not, they're not the high-rolling cities of the world. Most of us are just common, common men, common women. We're just average Joes, and yet, listen, and yet God wants to use you to hold positions and shepherd A responsibility that you never in a million years could ever dream possible. But it's going to mean change. It's going to mean following the Lamb. And you're probably not going to be taken from rural America to hold some wonderful position in the kingdom of God. It's going to begin with the simple, little, daily issues of life. Just following the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. You know, I, 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 two weeks ago, you, you know what I was doing two weeks ago, this very moment, the reason I couldn't call in is I was on a train with Mark Rose from Moscow to, to Minsk, uh, Belarus. Belarus. You know we were just cruising down for nine hours you know what mark and I did we just talked about that book we just talked about the God of that book and we shared our testimonies with each other and as he's he's, he's going through and he's bringing me through everything that God has brought him through and, and and the fact that we had just sat two days previous with the Minister of Health in the nation of Belarus an audience with with the guy and he's, he's looking to Mark Rose to help him and we, Mark Mark says to me, he says, you know what? I never, I never anticipated this with that little southern girl. Man, I'm just telling you, Mark, it's unbelievable what God's done with this simple little guy. And I had told him my story, and I got all done. And you know what he said? Isn't it wild that God took that little street urchin from the city of Miami and let him go preach in Moscow? Did you ever dream, Mark, did you ever dream that God let you do something like that? And I can tell you in a million years, I'm not a high roller and don't have a high position in the kingdom of God. But I'm just telling you, you. I, I keep y- y'all know this. look I, I, nope, That's our lunch right there. <laughs> Check it out. I'm getting somebody. Somebody stole my card, man. I keep I keep my Egypt picture in my pocket. Most of y'all seen it. The hair down to here, a little street urchin from from Miami, Florida, that didn't know jack squat about anything and and now I'm I know jack squat about one or two things but I'm just telling you never in a million years did I dream that God would ever allow me the the privilege of being able to hold his book and and talk to a group one-tenth of the size of this room and I'm just telling you if we're gonna follow the lamb We're going to have to understand that it presupposes some things. It presumes some things. It presumes change. And what I'm wanting you to see in all this is that every person in the entire Old Testament, whoever followed the Lamb, it meant a life of change. It meant change for every single one of them. And and we're not going to do this, but if we were to take the time to walk through the New Testament. You know what we would find with every single person who ever followed the Lamb? Their life was characterized by change. They weren't people who were just signing on for heaven. They were people who were signing on to follow Jesus, to follow the Lamb. They were submitting themselves to change. Following presumes that. I was going my way! I was walking on the course of this world thinking I was really on my way, when really the Prince of the here was grabbing me by the nose and yanking me through that whole world system. But now, I follow you, and if we were to take the time, we could do it this morning, and we could walk all the way down to the centuries of church history, we could look at the, the lives of those who followed the Lamb, we'd find that with every single one of them, it meant Change because it has to. And I go through all of that, and I have belabored the point, and I understand that. And I've done it purposely, just so that God can just jank, yank our minds into what it means to following. And I've, the reason I felt like I needed to belabor the point is we're living at a time when the testimony of so many followers of Jesus... Is that they walked forward in a service singing just as I am, and they left the service to go on living just as they were, and there's never been any change. You see what I'm talking about now? Following, if you're following, you can't tell me that you've been following God for five years and He will never, never ask me to change anything. Wait. You mean when you were on your own way in the course of this world, being led by the principality of, of, of powers? I mean, you, you mean to tell me you were on you your own way and he called you to follow and there's never been any change? Oh, no, I'm a follower, though. It, it, it'd be like me saying, yeah, I'm a I'm a Cleveland Indian fan, buddy. Ooh, through and through. Indian fan here. You say, oh, no kidding. Indian fan. So you got like the, you got the hat and you wear the shirts and you got the bumper stickers and the pennants and all the paraphernalia. Oh, no, I ain't got any of that. But, but I'm a fan. I'm a Cleveland Indian fan. Oh, oh, so, you, so you, you go to all the home games? Oh, no, never been to any game. Oh, you, you watch them on TV every time they're on. They, they have it on TV? <laughs> oh, no, I, n- I never saw a game. Ah, you listen to him on the radio! No, no, never listen to him on the radio. You know what, you'd probably come through after all of that to conclude that I, I'm not really a, I'm not really a fan. And the point is, there are millions of people all over this planet who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you just start going through and looking for any changes that following has meant, there's no change. But now listen, if you really are a follower of Jesus Christ, the sheer fact that you are presumes change, and it presumes continuous change. Sometimes sometimes following the Lamb is going to mean a change of direction walking this way and all of a sudden the Spirit of God through the Word of God shows you your life and you understand I'm going this way and if I'm gonna follow " Ah!" gotta put on the brakes and go in a completely different direction sometimes following the lamb like we talked about a little bit earlier sometimes it's gonna mean a change of location I'm here and I'm following the lamb right here but the lamb is leading me to go somewhere else as a pilgrim he's leading me to go somewhere else as an ambassador, as his sent representative sometimes it's simply going to mean changing your mind you're thinking one way about something and God says no follow me and to follow him it it means you've got to change your thinking sometimes it's got to be a change of heart you feel this way about something and God says no that's wrong and and you have to change your heart sometimes it's a change of attitude sometimes it's gonna mean a change of plans I've got my little life and I've got all my little plans and I'm going to do this when I graduate and I'm going to do this when I get married and I'm going to do this when the kids are gone and God says no. Follow me, not your plans. And sometimes to follow Him, you've got to change your plans. Sometimes it means you have to change your lifestyle. Because to maintain that lifestyle, you can't keep doing that and follow the lamb time won't permit it it's mutually exclusive for you to continue your lifestyle and continue following God it's gonna mean change or it's gonna be a change of priorities I've made these things a priority but through the things I'm seeing in the in the Word of God I can't continue on like this and and listen sometimes it's gonna mean all of those things that you just listed right there, sometimes it's going to mean all of those all at the same time. But the fact is, the Lord Jesus Christ is moving to accomplish His plan for the universe, for the earth, and for your life. And you can't stay where you are and follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. And that may seem like a duh point, but the truth is, a lot of people think they're following the Lamb, but they'd be hard-pressed this morning to point to any change in their life in the last six months. I'm asking. Can you? You're a follower, and He's moving, okay? Can you point to any sin or any compromise that the Lamb convicted you of in the last six months that you confessed and you forsook so that you could follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth? And if you can't, I'm I'm just asking now, is that a statement of how spiritual you are? Or is it a statement that you're not following the Lamb? I mean, have, have you not sinned? Are there not compromises that you continue to make? And has the Lamb not confronted you with that and said, change so you can follow me? Could you, could you point to somebody that the Lamb led you to an open door to share your faith with and you followed Him? I mean, when was the last time you followed the Lamb through an open door to witness to somebody. Really, I'm asking you, think in your mind, when was the last time that you articulated your testimony or what it takes for a person to be born into God's family? How are they going to hear without a preacher? And you mean to tell me? you're following the Lamb, and the Lamb never opens a door for you to do that, or you can go for six months of your life and the Lamb doesn't open a door like that, but you're, I'm following the Lamb, whithersoever He goeth. Our Lord commissioned every single one of us who know Him to go into all the world to make disciples, and now listen, for the, at least the last six years. I think it's been longer than that. Let's just go six. For the last six years, God's been opening the door for this church to do that. He's opened the door, and the Lamb is right on the, on the outside of the door saying, follow me to fulfill my commission to make disciples in all the world. And in the last six years around here, guys, listen. Listen. He's opened the door to the Philippines at least, I don't know where John is, at least a dozen times we've taken trips, and there's been a certain group of people who's followed the lamb through that door. He's opened the door to Thailand to this church and said, follow me. He's opened the door to Mexico, China, Australia, and now Russia, and he stands at the open door, and he says to this church, listen, follow me. Listen, He's even positioned us as a church to be at a place that to follow him through these open doors. All you got to do is purchase your ticket and we pick up the tab for all of your expenses when you get to the other side of the earth. And I'm asking you, can you point to any change that you've made in your plans or in your lifestyle? or in your priorities so that you could follow him through these open doors and and now listen and, and let's just let's just let's get real hardcore here for just a second since we've been pussyfooting around this morning let's just forget about plans and lifestyles and priorities and let me just ask you how many times have the changes that He's called you to make to follow Him. How many times have they those changes resulted in you changing locations on this planet so you could follow the Lamb to fulfill His commission to go into all the world? I'm asking you, in the last six years, how many times have you changed locations when God is saying, Here it is, church the commissions to all the world, and I'm opening these doors to you, and I'll tell you what, if you could take three years of your life and you could change your lifestyle for three years and just save the money to get a ticket, just stop drinking pop for three years. I'm going to bless that church down there to where they'll pick up the tab. It's not them, it's me. Because I want you to follow me through the open doors to the world. How many times? followers, followers of the Lamb, has it resulted in a change of location for you. And let's just say we stop the message right now. And I know some of y'all are saying, and I hope you do. Well, let's just say we stop right now, and we just start at one end of, uh, of the room here, and we're just going to work our way through. We're going to go pew by pew, and We're going to let everybody in the room this morning, we're going to let them stand and testify of the most recent change God's made in our lives as a result of following Him. How far back would you have to go? You know what a church like this has got to be real careful about? getting comfortable. Me change as holy as I am? Me change as many missions trips as I've been on? I'm going to do a strange thing right now. I'm not going to finish the message that I planned because we'll be here forever. I'm asking you: Do you follow the Lamb? See, it's real easy to cruise through the Book of Revelation and dazzle us with them hundred forty-four thousand. Tell us about them people, because I have been a little confused about some of the nuances of those those people there. And I know we, we don't we don't like the simple little stuff of they followed the Lamb whithersoever He goes. Do you remember what we said last week? You remember what we saw? They're in heaven in Revelation chapter 14. They were on earth in Revelation chapter 7. But now listen. The reason they followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth in heaven is because they were rewarded with that because they followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth on the earth. And all through the tribulation period, man, no matter where the Lamb was leading, 144,000 there. I mean, it didn't matter where it was. They're there. Yes, sir. Submissive, sir. Yes, drill sergeant, sir. Oh, you you don't say sir if you said drill sergeant, right? They'll slap you. Wherever he went, man, they were there. They get to heaven. Same gig. They follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. And Jesus' invitation to us was not, I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to walk down, and I want you to say the words of a prayer. And, I mean, that's just going to bless me, because if you'll do that, I'll cart you off to heaven when you when you grow, man. And I really want to cart you off to heaven so you can you you can float on clouds and wear golden slippers and play the harp. I, I want that for you. No, follow me. But to do that, it it just comes with the territory if you're gonna. Follow. You can't stay where you are. You change. And it's a continuous life of change. Now listen. What is the Lamb saying this morning that needs to change in your life? so that you can continue to follow Him. Is there a sin you need to confess? Are there compromises that you're making in your thoughts, at your job, in your family, that He's calling you to call sin and confess and forsake so that you can follow Him? Is, is is the Lamb finally maybe getting through to some of you guys after the last eight years around here that what He's really interested in is not you showing up and filling the seat that you're sitting in this morning, but that He wants you to be a disciple? For some of you to follow the Lamb, it's going to mean humbling yourself and saying, I need to be a disciple. And for some of you that have been through the 16 lessons and you're not following the Lamb it's probably going to mean you're just making a call and saying, you know what I did the 16 lesson gig but I'm not a follower I think I need to just rethink this whole discipleship thing and, and what do I need to do and we'll help you some of you have been wrestling with this thing so long The Lamb has been asking you to change your location. He wants to use you, not to build a boat, but He he wants to use you to build a church somewhere on this planet. And the longer you stay in this place, the more comfortable you are, and the more plans you're making for the future that have to do with this place when the Lamb is leading you somewhere else. What needs to happen? Not, not six years from now. What needs to happen today for you to follow the Lamb? And for some of you that are here today, you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you come just as you are. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But understand, the invitation that you're believing is that He is calling you to follow Him. And what that means is you coming, and and rather than following your own way to salvation, it's following His way, which is through the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. And today, if you'll call upon His name He'll remove your sin and allow you to enter into a relationship with the God of this universe to where He becomes your Father. You have a relationship with Him. And that's what He's inviting you to. A relationship with Him. A relationship of a father and a child. Follow me. And for you to follow the Lamb today, it's going to mean, in just a moment as our service is concluded, it's going to mean you humbling yourself. And you coming up to either side of the front of this room where our pastors are going to place themselves. And following the Lamb is going to mean coming and saying to them, I, I'd like to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior this morning. I want to follow the Lamb. You say, oh, what are the words? Forget the words. Just say it. I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And We'll have someone that will take the Bible and begin to show you how today through a simple childlike prayer of faith you can become a child of God, born again by the Spirit of God and become a part of His family to enter a relationship with God and that's what we were created to have in the first place. Will you follow God this morning? And Lord, I pray that you would help us As those that profess to be Your followers, help us, Lord, to be obedient to You. Help us to make the the change that it's going to require for us today to, to follow You. And Christians, right now, why don't you just talk to God about about that change. Confess that sin. Forsake that sin. Surrender to His call. Submit to, I I don't know what He did, you know. You know what the Lamb was leading you to do. Now, through a prayer of surrender, follow the Lamb. And For those of you that have never received Christ, and our prayer today is that you'll respond to his invitation. And, oh, Lord, I pray for those folks this morning. I pray that they would respond to your invitation to follow. I pray that this would, would be the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name.